Shadow, we are recording, so anything you say can and will be held against you. No, it won't. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> we don't hold anything against anybody. All right. That's what you just want us to think. <laughs> this is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Oh, my name. <laughs> My name is Rob Minot, and uh, joining me in the Anti-Gloom Zoom Room, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Good morning. And we have another voice in here that I just heard. Uh, Ryan, can you tell the fine folks uh, who's joining us for today's episode? Well, I'll tell the folks. I don't know about the fine folks. But joining us this week is a guest host who has been with us in the past. He is or has a long, extensive history in accessible gaming. He is Michael Fair. Hello. Now, when did we have you on? Uh, that was... That, that was around the time that uh, A Hero's Call was coming out, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. Been, uh, my last game uh, appearance. Uh, I'm not sure if I've done one about my guide or not. I can't really remember. Uh, that's caused a lot of activity. Uh, but yeah, um, that... They uh, released a hero's call uh, on the computer back in 2018, and uh, that caused quite a stir. That was, was easily the most successful audible uh, audio uh, Kickstarter uh, that I've ever seen that, that was game related. And boy, did they put it to good use! Yeah, I think we've had you on a couple times over the over the years we've been doing this. So it's nice to actually have somebody join us who knows about accessible gaming because I know nothing about it. Well, especially given that uh, today, Ryan, what are we talking about? Today we are speaking with Thaddeus from Ebon Sky Studio about a project they are working on. So wow, this is and that's what a coincidence that we're having Mike on at the same on the same day. We're talking about accessible video games. That's crazy. What Isn't are the that chances? These <laughs> shows needs a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, why don't we just take a minute and pick your brain, Mike, about uh, what what that space looks like at the moment, and uh, and and what it's how it's changed since last time we talked to you. Well, there, there's been a lot of, of different things, on, uh, particularly uh, on the console side of things. Uh, are, are, we're really seeing a lot of push to uh, and a lot a growing awareness among sighted developers. Yes, and of course, EA Games making a lot of the sports, uh, their football accessible. Apparently their Madden NFL football can now be played by blind people. So there's, there's been uh, some really big, uh, uh, pretty epic things like that that have happened. And of course we have things like a hero's call out there now. So we've had a few really good audio game successes on the Kickstarter level. Uh, we have Dusklight Pro that's gearing up to release one of uh, a big epic exploration audio game. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, so it, it, we seem to be going through a bit of a, a revival and uh, 
that's kind of neat. When I started this back in 96, when I launched Odyssey magazine, everything was text. And, uh, you know, slowly we began to see a kind of a wave of audio games. And then we had a bit of a fade out. Uh, and, and now, thankfully, that seems what we're in an upswing again. You know, maybe, you know, if enough games at once become accessible, I might even t be tempted to get a console. But right now, it's, it's so few that it, to me, it's a bit of a, okay, you want me to spend 500 plus to get a console to play three games. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm stuck at the moment. It really has to become a more economic proposition for me. So I really feel like um, there's some there's some real space here to, to get some traction um, on accessible gaming that's that's above and beyond just um, an, a AAA studio tacking on accessibility features to their game, I, which don't get me wrong. I think that that's really great. That's super important. Um, you know, it, it video games are such a big part of the culture that preventing anybody from having those experiences as well is a really big deal, um, especially, you know, for, for the younger generation. Uh, the smart speaker space, you know, again, with yes, these, these, more, sure. these audio games, that they don't have to be simple to play. I think there's, unfortunately, there was a glut of real simple audio games that just were, were barely games at all. They didn't really have much mechanics. It was always about just choices leading to different endings or things like that, that, that there was no depth to the play. And I think, unfortunately, there's a bit of a pushback now against that that developers have to contend with because a bunch of us are so jaded. We want more complex yeah. stuff. We want you know, stuff that lasts longer. And unfortunately, you can't just start <laughs> at square 20. You have to sort of uh, crawl before you walk in, yeah. in learning you know, how to make a good audio game. And there's, unfortunately, the space to do that is, is a little, it's a bit of a minefield because, yeah. you know, if you, if you don't sort of show that, yes, I can handle complexity too, there's serious game, it's not just fancy sound, uh, then, then you've got, you, you're onto something. But you have to sort of really make sure you do that and, and put in that depth. And thankfully, it sounds like Evan Sky Studios is really going to hit that spot. Yeah, uh, you know, with what they're trying to do with their RPG creation engine and their first game, uh, and it all sounds like it will really sort of hit. It'll have the mechanics, it'll have the depth of play, and it'll also have the, the really immersive, great audio that will pull people in. Yeah, and it's a big project, um, and we'll you know certainly um, talk to Thaddeus about it and have him fill us in, but. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk to these guys and I'm, I'm excited for accessible video games. I mean, a lot of people, you know, discount video games as just, you know, stuff that 14 year olds play, but, but you're absolutely right. There are so many positive aspects of it, you know, from, from just being, being able to be involved in conversation because video games are such a big component of daily life these days, but also education. And I mean, there's all kinds of benefits to video games these days so um you know and that's part of the reason why we thought you know we we want to get somebody on to talk more about what's happening in that space because i think that community support is so important for this stuff um, oh yeah you know, especially it's, you know, it's vital it's it's absolutely if, if we can show and and that might involve you know it's it's writing reviews it's it's making it known that you appreciate this stuff it also might mean taking the odd risk, jumping 
in uh, buying something before you're really sure it's quite your thing. Yep. And then and seeing, you know, giving it that chance. Hi everyone, this is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies and this is a shameless plug. We've been working hard to find less expensive Braille products so we can make Braille available for more people. We can now say that we have Canada's most comprehensive lineup of inexpensive Braille solutions, including the 20-cell Braille Me from InnoVision, the soon-to-be-released 40-cell Orbit Braille display from Orbit Research, as well as the world's least expensive multi-line Braille reader, the Canute from Bristol Braille. You can have a look at them all on our website at www.canastech.com. Joining us now is Thaddeus from Ebon Sky Studios. Thanks so much for taking some time out and uh, and chatting with us. Uh, this is a, a really sort of a fascinating subject, and I think to to a lot of us, it's kind of a, a subject that's near and dear to all of us geek geek hearts, uh, which is video games. Well, thanks we, for having me. Why don't we just start out and and give us a little bit of a, a just a brief snapshot of of Ebon Sky Studios and what you guys are up to there. I've been a part of Ebon Sky Studios uh, before it was even called Ebon Sky Studios. I joined in 2017 as the third member. Um, originally, it just started out as two guys who wanted to create um, an engine which would allow you to make your own maps. Right. Uh, we had, at that point in time, no thought of making full-fledged games. It was just a, hey, let's see if we can do it just for the heck of it. Uh, over the years, it kind of just kept evolving and evolving with the addition of battles, uh, the Z-axis, which was a huge one, um, items, abilities, and eventually we were like, you know what, we could make a game with this thing. So that's when we kind of decided, okay, well, if we're going to make a game, we've got to start a company and do all that official fun stuff. And that's also around the time when we brought in our fourth guy, Brian, who's our sound editor. And is that, the, is that the full team now? Is, is the four of you guys? The four of us. Uh, Paul in the UK is our programmer. Justin in the US, he is our story design. I kind of help with whatever. And Brian in Australia is our sound guy. Sounds pretty solid to me. So you, you've got... Uh, I've, I've heard some of the videos that you guys have put out with this, uh, this Sable engine of yours. It, it sounds pretty impressive. Thank you. You have... So you're you're basically you wanting to do kind of I presume single player RPGs with this. For this point, uh, Sable is currently designed for single players. In the future, we are hoping to have multiplayer, but that's you know that's years away if ah. we survive that long. So that's you know quite a ways in the future. And that's you know one of the questions I had was. You know, there's been so many, well, maybe not so many, I guess that's relative, but uh, a lot of different people or organizations try to get into the whole accessible gaming industry or field. And, you know, some come and, and last a few years and others just kind of disappear. So, you know, what was kind of the incentive to, to launch into this arena? Well, like I said before, Sable was originally not intended as a full-on game development engine. We, like, you know, before I was even brought in, Paul and Justin had um, contrived it as a map creation tool. That was it. 
And so to be used with other third-party platforms? Well, just to be used to create maps. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of Tactical Battle, but um... I think the... Imp- I think the impression was, uh, and I could be wrong here, um, because, I, again, I wasn't around at this point. Um, they designed just maps. It wasn't able, at that point, to do a bunch of the other stuff. Battles and whatnot were all added later. But when we did decide to develop games, it's like, you know, the audio game community has very little in terms of um, RPG games that you can play especially considering the amount that the mainstream market has. So we figured, okay, what's the worst that can happen? We try and we fail, right? Right. So we're trying, and hopefully we succeed, but if we fail, at least we can say that we tried. Right. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is, is simplistic as well. That's the other thing we keep running into is, is, is that you know, we'll get an RPG, but it'll be the bare bones of what that could be. And that's that's just uh, uh, unfortunately a symptom of, of accessible games. We have a lot of, of proofs of what could be proofs of like side scrollers, another example of a genre that we've seen a couple of examples of, but no one's really taken to the extreme. So from what I've heard of this engine, it, it would be possible to really to really make a, a, a deep game with a good system of mechanics behind it and good world building. It sounds to me like you've got it so that you'd have an engine that you, you wouldn't require uh, programming knowledge, which would be great for a lot of us idea people who always want to do stuff but have no idea how to the nuts and bolts how to work. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole. That was part of the whole thing, right? Is um, if Sable's released, we want it to be for the uh, layperson. I think the common, the correct term would be who doesn't know how to program, but has the ideas for what has the potential to be a spectacular game. And this way, they can make the game without learning a programming language and being caught up taking years to actually code a game from scratch. This way, you can just implement what you have into the engine and then do your testing. It should save you time. It should save you a lot of effort. Yeah, and I think, you know, create, creativity is your only limiting factor. You know, I, I've watched a couple of the YouTube demos as well, and I think there was a woman who used the engine as well to create her own little little world. A yep. little, and, you know, it, it sounds like, I think there was a demo that Paul did as well, where it's basically, you know, you, it's not even a question and answer, it's, but it's, it's that simplistic, it seems. Yeah, there are, keep in mind, there are limitations to what Sable can do, and this has been where some of our negative feedback has come, is Sable is limited because we don't allow for scripting. Um, But honestly, we're trying to allow for people who don't have that programming experience to be able to make their own games. In the future, will we add scripting functionality? Who knows? It's not off the table, but at this point, we have our focus, and right now we just want to get Sable to a stable state so we can release our first game using the engine. Do you guys have a lot of people like beta testing the platform, or, or just we've got to- several beta testers? Well, no, I wouldn't even call it beta testing. It's more of an alpha stage at the moment. Right. Um, we had our pre-alpha demo out uh, to the public back in May, 
we figured because coronavirus is keeping a lot of people inside and taking away their opportunities to do things with people that we would give them something fun to play around with for about a month. So we released Sable to the public. We got quite a bit of interest. We got a bit more people, I think, than all any of us had expected trying it out. And the feedback we got was pretty good for the most part. So I would say that was a success. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I haven't delved into the whole accessible gaming. I'm, I'm totally blind myself and have dabbled, you know, in and out of different types of genres of games. But, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do with, with your first release and, you know, hope to see maybe even a, a creativity contest, you know, have throw it out to the, to the audience and say, let's see what you got. Um, I think, like I said, creativity is the only limiting factor. Well, we had, uh, we had our first creativity contest. It um, wasn't judged by us. It was actually judged by the community, uh, at least the audio games in that community. Um, back when we closed our demo, we had a contest that um, the, three, the two or three best videos who got voted in the poll would be given extended access to the demo. And that's what uh, I believe you saw the video from Holly on YouTube. She was one of the winners of that contest. Okay. So mechanics-wise for these games, are people limited to your uh, sort of core mechanics, the stats, the uh, that sort of thing? Or how flexible is that part of it all? Um, as of this point, they are limited to our classes and our stats. But again, this is because also we're developing our first game. We don't even plan on considering to release Sable until long after our first game is released. Ah, yeah. um, you know, Crimson Eclipse has always been intended to be released first. And then we will consider when we will release Sable. Whether that is after our first game, after our second game, or what have you, that is to be decided. And, and you have all the, the assets and everything to, to get at least the first game basically nailed down, it sounds like. That is what our sound designer, Brian, is currently working on. He has, as of this morning, he has developed um, two more of our soundtrack pieces. He is making them from scratch, and I can say uh, just for myself that he is pretty talented at what he's doing. He's done his fair share of work with the um, gaming community in Australia. He does uh, freelance work ah. for mainstream or what have you. And that's music and sound? or, or... Music and sounds, yes. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, you do have all the talent. Wow. That's you, can look, you can look him up at Daisy All <laughs> Soundworks if you're curious. Figured I'd give a little bit of advertising cool. for him. Yeah. He's it's developed awesome. his own game, so... You know, you can always check his out as well. Do we have an anything accessible for the new game? His game is accessible. It's called Lost and Hound. Ah, that rings a bell. See, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Do we have an expected date to the new game? Uh, I'll give you a perfectly blunt answer when it's done. 
Smart man. We cannot, Smart we man. cannot and yeah. will not give dates because at this point in time, you never know what's going to happen. We've already had things that have held us back sure. um, longer than we wanted. Um, you know, personal things and then things with our company that, you know, little hurdles that need to be jumped through, but things just add up, right? So giving a date at this point would be a bit premature. Be careful with that. I've, I've seen probably, oh, I think we've lost about three or four, like going back to when I started Odyssey in 96, I mean, I've, I've witnessed a number of meltdowns, chiefly because developers couldn't release games when they said they would and people yes. lost patience. That's and, part of the reason why. Yeah. And also we are... Um, we need to convince Paul to take a bit of a break from programming once he's done, once he's made stable stable for a bit. Uh, he's got to take a break for a bit. You know what I mean? Uh, he's been programming very hard. He's developed this whole thing on his own because none of us know the language that he's using. And so he's got to take a break. He's got to get out of the mindset for a little bit. Um, you know, de-stress as you will. Yeah. Are you guys developing mainly for PC at this point in time, or will there yes, be? Yes, mainly uh, PC currently. Uh, again, in the future, who knows? Love to see something like this come to iOS. That would be that would be amazing. But, uh, yeah, PC is is PC is really having a moment though too. You should ca probably catch uh, part of that wave, even if it takes you another year. Cause, you know, Heroes Call was was enormous. Yeah, when that came out, that was even though it didn't really get to its full. They were going to do a graphical version of it that never got done. But even still, that was a, a spectacular success for an audio yeah, game. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping we'll catch some of that wave. If we're lucky enough, and if uh, you know, if our fortune allows, so to speak. <laughs> are you going to be using other acting talent, or are you going to do uh, a speech-driven? dialogue how are you planning to, to um part of it's it? capable of doing either so some of it will be tts based some of it we plan on asking volunteer actors ah. but again we're not being paid so they can't be right. paid so it has to be volunteer these people will need to understand that whatever is going on whatever voice acting they do they're doing it of their own free will their own free time they're not getting any payment for it they'll get recognition in our credits but that's about the extent that we can promise them uh, because we don't even know how successful we'll be with this what about a party based uh and are you planning to implement that at all like have a, a party of characters rather than, than oh a it single... is a party of characters oh okay it so is set actually... up so you have currently four characters Ah, excellent. And for anyone who has played the uh, demo version of Sable, I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything or giving information that I'm not allowed. You currently have four classes. You have the fighter, you have the priest, you have the mage, and then for a little bit of diversity, because you rarely see this, you have the monk. And the monk isn't another clerical type, just to clarify. The monk is more of a D&D-style DPS, damage per second type character. Typically, ah, okay. martial artist. So I'm going to refer this question to Michael and to you, Shadow. I'm a. It's not, I'm from a D and D background, then. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, Thaddeus, not Shadow. Just so you. 
<laughs> I thought you had my name, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you came to the room of shadow, so. Oh, I forgot my zoom was set to that. I only used it once. <laughs> no, you came in as shadow, so you you are now shadow. <laughs> okay, well, as long as people on the podcast know who you're talking to, then it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've read of, about D&D. I've never actually played anything more than just a basic game of it with people. But uh, yeah, role playing itself, I've I've uh, looked around at various systems, thinking of doing one of my own at some point soon. And, and I so I can have I have an inkling of how hard this is. Like developing a game, a lot of people don't really understand. Even even if you take away all the programming and everything else, it still requires a lot of work. <laughs> to, the to design. Really and the balancing yeah, is the pain. testing the the rejigging of dialogue the yeah there's so many elements that just like when I, I did my guide i mean you know personal power the ios edition was you know i saw it going to be like a year tops it turned into three and a half uh, yep. <laughs> doing that and it's not it's nowhere near perfect as it is i think so. what would help is if you write a script first if it's something that contains dialogue, write a script and make yes. sure you have a clear plan on what you want the storyline to be. This is how we did ours. We wrote, we had a clear plan um, for a couple of years, even before uh, we got to writing the script. We uh, just finished the script. You know, we might have minor edits, but other than that, the script itself is written. Cool. So that includes dialogue. Um, that's all the storyline stuff, all the quests and everything. It's completely set, which I think will save you time because if you have that plan and then you write your script, then it's done. Whereas if you're trying to improvise, which I think some yeah. people probably do, there comes a point where it, it just falls flat. Yep, and then you have to ask actors to change some of their lines and that's yeah. when... And that's yeah. more of a pain too. Whereas if you know exactly <laughs> what you want, yeah, and you don't need to get that, and you can just work on okay, I don't like the way you said this particular sentence. Could you repeat it maybe with a little bit more oomph or with that, right? Yeah, that, that's uh, the, there's so many pitfalls to this sort of thing. So it, it sounds like you you your approach is admirable. Like from what you've told me, you know you, you're avoiding a lot of the pitfalls that I have seen developers plunge headlong into. So that's, that's great to hear. Well, I'm hoping you're right. I really hope we can avoid as many pitfalls as we can. <laughs> I'm sure there are some we will fall into, but we are doing our best to avoid as many as possible. Where does the name Ebon Skies come from? Ebon Sky is from a D&D campaign that Justin and some of his friends had played, uh, I think this was 20 years ago now. Okay. They, I think it was the name of the campaign itself, but um, he proposed it as a name for the company and it was pretty much an instant yes, we all like the sound of it. It's unique, it's not, um, it's not something that you might expect, but hey, you know, we like the way it sounds and I've had a lot of people come to me personally who I've given out my business cards to and they've told me, you know, they really liked our name. It's not, um, it's not, it's not something that you'd consider as common, right. I guess, you know, they said, they said it was unique yep. and that's yeah. something you want, right? If you're going to be releasing something, you want a unique name that people are going to remember. 
and you want it to fit what you're releasing. I'm presuming the world that you're creating for this first game of yours is going to be fairly dark and edgy stuff, right? Like very dark, <laughs> and that's something our audience is going to have to get used to because I haven't played a ton of audio games, but some of like I know other people who have, and my understanding. And correct me if I'm wrong. There aren't very many games that are particularly dark. Yeah, it, it's, it's slowly that's changing a bit, but that's that's certainly. We unfortunately things have veered into the sort of simple and less, less fully realized, less deep, and uh, and and less adult. Like a lot of a lot of people want to avoid the whole parental oh you know, the the, the parental kind of wave off right. So they've gone that route, and I'm I'm kind of glad to see. A bit more grittiness, a bit more adult-oriented stuff. Yeah, that's what we solid. wanted, because we we wanted something that's a little more adult. We don't want to have to. I don't want to say tame ourselves, because that's yeah. not the right way of putting it. But you know <laughs> what I mean. Yes. Oh, yes. I've I've heard some audio sounds recently that have just. <laughs> yeah, some of the audio dramas I've reviewed have had <laughs> very dark, gritty sound. Yep. Uh, Graphic audio being one, <laughs> one element of that. They they do some spectacular stuff in that department. Yes. But it, but it really is a little bit of a fledgling field in terms of of accessible gaming. Oh no, I would say you're definitely right. Outside of the commonly known, I guess, audio games market, there are some mainstream games that will try and be accessible, but. For the most part, you're not going to find that. Right. Yeah, that that especially on the console side, this is just getting going in the past yeah. couple of years, and we're I, I think we're approaching a critical mass point where we might see a lot more of that. But it's just now kind of happening. Like, like as I've covered it over, you know, from '96, I've I've seen developers sort of try and expand and try to make livings off of doing this. And it's a hard road, like to really, if you're doing this for money, you're not gonna get a ton uh, yeah. audio games. It's it's been very, very hard. But now what's happening is is we're getting some of the mainstream companies paying attention a bit more. And that could change a lot. Plus the, the population aging, there's a lot of factors like that that I think are going to, to help Ebb and Sky and other companies that are starting to, to really think about you know, how can we include more people in this game space? How can we make this accessible without wrecking the game itself, right? Which which can be a, a tricky thing. I think yes. some people underestimate that. But now we've got a lot more bright minds. Like, I never thought, for example, something like EA Games would make their football game accessible. Like, that that would never have crossed my mind <laughs> that they right. would attempt that. And they, and they are now. So... Things you know, things can change, and, and they are changing now. Finally, you know, we've seen on the iOS front some brilliant stuff. Um, something else did some amazing audio games. Papa Sangre and its sequel. You know, they had Sean Bean. You know, uh, uh, Cumberbatch. Can't remember his first name. Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. Yes, yes, he did uh, Nightjar. One of it. So, the, you know, they did uh, brought in the big marketing bucks, big acting names, and and those games had a good run on the App Store before they unfortunately vanished. Um, they were made for everybody, not just blind people, but they mm -hmm. thought of us from day one. And I think that paid off and, and kept them in there for longer than they might've had otherwise. So it is possible. I think people are really starting to 
appreciate that and and include more audio stuff, which I'm pleased as a blind person to see. There are, of course, other accessibility issues that it's not just all about blindness as well. Like there, uh, there's efforts to bring other people uh, into the into include them in the, in these playgrounds, and uh, you know, from learning disabilities to motion, you know, uh, sickness, you know, things like that. There are a host of different things, switch-based controls for people who are paralyzed. Uh, you know, a lot of different things are, are now being looked at a lot more seriously than, than they once were. So, and see, know, that brings least... me, that brings me to an interesting point because I have presented Sable at a couple of game conventions. I was at Animathon for, um, 2019 and 2018 and i was at a university game convention back in 2019 as well and i was told a couple times that sable and its games just because it's purely audio based those are things that you can play if you have say motion sickness because there isn't a visual component and these were things that like you know we as a company haven't thought of but now that it's been brought up, it's like, you know, this is an interesting angle. There's a, maybe there's a possibility that we can get a bit more interest from the sighted community because of things like that. Right. Also, you know, the interest in things like alternative gaming. If, yeah, we can, that... if we can, if we can poke some of those people, if we can get some interest. Um, or you have those who just want to play maybe on the bus or in the backseat of a car, you know, I understand that apparently playing in that way when you can see is can be a bit of a pain, but if you're just playing based on audio, then it's a bit more feasible. Yeah, I think you're crossing into the same arena that audio description does for the blind, you know, or closed captioning for that matter. You know, somebody sighted may take advantage of descriptive audio on Netflix because they're in the kitchen cooking or, you know, yep to an audiobook having something playing in the background you know kind of same idea with an audio game right yeah i actually know quite a few sighted pe people who use audiobooks when they're in the car you know it's a good way to read something while driving well you know you don't have to actually look at the page you can just right. have something in the background as instead of blaring your music and listen to the same song six or seven times before you get to your destination <laughs> yeah well, and I think that there's also a unique factor there. Um, you know, most most people, you know, sighted people say who who are into video games, the idea of a of an audio based sort of soundscape type game, there's there's an appeal to that. There's it's it's unique, it's different, and um, it could be immersive in a way that is that that people aren't necessarily used to, and that could be a big draw. Yes, and certain, certainly in the Amazon space, you know, in, in the smart speaker space, we're seeing some of that now, like adventures with full acting and uh, you know, story, movie quality sound uh, behind them. And they're purely audio, you like they're games that you speak to with, with Alexa or with uh, different uh, Google, uh, you know, you, you can actually do that now. So there's, there's uh, Cursed Painting is one actually recently that I dabbled with. Uh, that was an interesting thing, and it, and it, it seemed to have a very rich sound work uh, in that. Have, um, have you guys had any involvement with uh, with the Heroes Call like during your development process? Did you get to check no, that out? And we have not had. Um, some of us have played it, 
some of us haven't. But we started developing, I joined the group in 2017, and we started developing, but Heroes Call was not related in any way to what we were doing. Ah, so it's it's not really an influence on uh, no on your, your stuff? No. I've never played it personally, so I can't say that it's influenced me. I've played sighted uh, games with a bit of help, but I've still managed, and those are what have influenced me. You know, my thought is, hey, it would be nice if we could have accessible, you know, Lord of the Rings games or more yeah. accessible Pokemon or what have you. But unfortunately, you know, we don't. And so we've got to just take it and make our own. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll be that... able to make a Lord of the Rings game, but we can make something. You know, we can make a fantasy game. It won't be as awesome as Lord of the Rings, but we, we do it with what we can. Right. And that can often lead to more interest later once the proof of yes. content concept is is there. I've yep. certainly seen that uh, over the years. I guess the the really interesting part about game development right now, and this has you know certainly been true in say the past ten years, is just the the explosion of of indie games and how many you know small independent developers are sort of able to make a go of it and especially given like the, all the different um, digital um, platforms distribution platforms that are available now to developers yes. um, it's just it's a whole new world um, what are some of the advantages of being a small studio like you guys are um, over say you know sort of a, a larger game developer honestly the biggest thing I can think of right now for us, and this is both an advantage and a disadvantage, we don't yet have a reputation. And because of that, you don't have, you know, this is where I say it's a disadvantage, is you don't have the people who are loyal to you and going to buy your games, but the advantage is you also don't have any negative press. So you don't have people saying, oh, look, it's these guys, they're famous for doing this one thing, let's boycott them. You know, that is something that can really make or break a company. Once you get typecasted, yeah, yes. in a certain, it's like there's no redemption in some people's... <laughs> yeah, I've seen yeah. that as well. And typecast yeah. is one of the things you want to avoid. That's why RPG is not the only type of game you want to make. Ah, interesting. You know, we have other ideas. We eventually would love, you know, this is, again, many years off. If we last long enough, we would love to do an MMO. I personally would like to see some sort of accessible uh, game similar in some ways to Minecraft. So that's yeah, my personal that's my personal project because Minecraft is something I watch my friends play all the time and it's like, man, you have no idea how much I wish I could play with you guys because this is the type of game I would love to I would spend hours on. Well, there's certainly a lot of interest in that. I've seen a lot of discussion threads on, on the Blind Gamers list and other places about that. You mm. definitely have an audience for that if you, do, if you manage to pull that off. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and if we, if we can do different types of games, then we can you know, interest a broader range of people, yeah. whereas if we focus solely on the RPG, you know, people are going to be like, oh, it's Ebon Sky Studios, it's the RPG company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's going to be people who are just going to say no just because they're like, oh, all their last games were RPGs. This one's going to be and, another RPG. We don't want and to play it's an tough. RPG. It's a tough thing to avoid because it takes so long to make a game yes. that your, your last game... 
Yeah, your last game has to represent you and maintain interest in you while you do the next thing. Yes. Uh, it's, it's and also we getting to, started. We need to do it in a time frame that's going to be able to retain their interest long enough without having people starting to drop out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then you have to think about you don't want to take too many shortcuts to, to keep in that time oh, exactly. frame. Oh, exactly. Quality drops. <laughs> that's and that's yeah. the difficulty, right? You know, you've got to yeah. you've got to find the fine balance, and you're on a knife edge because you could slip just a little bit to one side or the other, and then you plummet, and that's about it. Yeah, but at least you're aware of the dangers by the sound of it. So I I would we I would bet on you guys. We <laughs> I try, would certainly you know. bet on you guys. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope we can live up to your expectations. <laughs> And I'm sure that my partners in the company would say the same. <laughs> well, you certainly have, have me cheering you on. I would love to see more and like a good, good solid. It sounds like you've got a good solid core group, which is a good start. And uh, you now that's another advantage to, to consider is, is, you know, between the four of you, that's a small enough group that, that it, it, you can sort of remain on the same page in a lot of ways and avoid hopefully some of the fractiousness that I've seen. Yeah tear some of the larger groups apart that have tried to pull this stuff off. So that uh, I, I'd consider when you're, <laughs> when you're thinking of changing that group dynamic, uh, yeah, keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. I like the, uh, I like the current dynamic. Honestly, we've all, we've all got our opinions, but when it really comes down to it, we're able to buckle down and get things done and compromise with one another. I admire the others for that because there are points, you know, you have like, you know, one person's got an idea and they're really set on this idea, but sometimes that idea just doesn't fit. So when we can all compromise on a thing, I think that makes us all stronger for it because we still try to keep everybody in mind when we're making decisions. I think you referenced Thaddeus that you have a vision impairment. Is there anyone else on the team that does also? Uh, three out of the four of us, actually. I've been visually impaired or blind since birth. Um, Paul and Justin have both lost their, lost their sight later in life, so they have had a lot of experience playing right. mainstream games, Final Fantasy, uh, Justin's big into Baldur's Gate, and oh, wow. other things along yeah. those lines. Brian is fully sighted, so... He is to uh, to make the joke. He is our diversity hire. <laughs> <laughs> Token sighty, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> you gotta have a good sense of humor. Awesome. Oh, cool. So What's he's he's uh you know he's providing the the alternate perspective to us because he can still play those games, whereas we can't necessarily you know some things we can but some things we really can't and he can play and he brings us the experiences sure you know and uh, considering kind of... he's worked with um other um like he works in the industry um he can help us with the aspects that we aren't entirely sure about you know well, expectations is is a key thing here for a lot of a lot of blind people. I, I've seen this since almost the beginning in '96 when I started uh, the first issue of Odyssey. People want what, what they sometimes can't fully have. They want the yes. same experience. They want to be included in what the sighted people are doing. And 
and sometimes it's it's possible with a lot of thought and effort and sometimes it's 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 harder than they think it is so you run into the trouble of of you know of, of not having an equivalent experience or other other things like that but it sounds like like you've got a lot of background there where you've had experience with you know and people that, who have had sight who have taken in that side of the equation i've come at this from a fully blind I've, i was born blind so my father uh, growing up and then my my fr a good friend that i still have from high school days have been my window to that world so i can completely get where that uh, that comes from and uh, and you, you it sounds like you've got the group that might really be able to make some some breakthroughs uh, give, given that experience that is, that is really promising to uh, to hear that uh, the, the the backgrounds you're all coming from could uh, could lead to really spectacular stuff yeah yeah that's assuming that enough people are willing to buy our game to make it worth it to continue yeah you know, the whole thing will fall apart if we don't get enough interest in Crimson. Then we're going to have to sit down and say, okay, are we going to realistically continue because we don't have the interest that we hoped for? Are we going to be able to keep on like this? And it's unfortunate, but it's something we have to look at. Yeah, because, it's reality. Yeah. Yeah, I have to ask, uh, like, the, the work in terms of, of sound assets and everything else. Like, e even writers. I mean, it's, I just was re listening to Brandon Sanderson doing uh, speeches on, uh, on writing. He says, why are you writing? Right? Is it, is it for money or is it for is this something that you just feel benefits you enough to keep doing? And yeah. That uh, that can be a tough road to walk. Yeah, and we st we need to be able to make enough money one way or another to live, right? Yeah. If we're spending so much time designing, how much time are we going to be able to spend working, you know, another job? And then on, with those two things, how much time will we have left for friends, family, right. uh, other pursuits that we want to take up? You know what I mean? It's a it's a fine tightrope to walk, and there comes a point. If we're not making enough one way or the other, we have to figure out. Okay, something's got to go. Something's got to give. Yeah. And right. it's it's a concern, but at this point, I'm moving forward. The other three are moving forward. We're hoping that we'll get enough interest and we will continue because after all this time, you know, we refuse to give up. We don't want to drop it. We don't want to give up at this point. We've put in, you know, some of us have put in four years. Wow. And, you know, thousands of hours to just drop it and then look back and be like, man, look at all that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. The same with personal power. I, I was swallowed by that project for three and a half years and. You know, it uh, got to the point where it's like, no, I'm really kind of burnt out with it. <laughs> it's hard mm. to maintain with uh, with little interest. And now, the good, good thing I've seen with you guys is, is there's a lot of discussion on uh, audiogames.net. I've seen a lot of big threads about you guys there. Yeah, Paul's so, done a good job of uh, keeping the discussions going on there. So that that if, if that kind of interest can be maintained on, on forums like that and uh, maybe some others. Uh, it, it's kind of too bad that it's a, a PC only thing, but that's uh, 
that's a bit harder. You probably your best places to focus are audiogames.net, um, Blind Gamers. There's there's that list that was was once the Odyssey list has <laughs> morphed many times since, <laughs> uh, but it's still there too. And uh, so there's there's a few places like that. But it sounds like you you you've at least got a presence where you need it most, which is good. Yep, and trying to branch off a little bit into the um, other markets that we could have access to. Not sure how successful any of those will be, but you know, any chance at attaining any more interest, I think is a good thing to try. If it Absolutely. fails, then at least we've tried, right? Yeah, and you've, made, so. you've reached out and, and that, that inevitably will bring interest back at some point. So if you can get articles maybe into different uh, forums, different things like that about what you're trying to do, yeah, uh, you know, Gamma Sutra maybe that might be uh, something to look at. But that's why the mainstream. That's why I spent. That's why I spent the money. I went to Animathon twice. You know, I've uh, I've gotten interest from, you know, some pretty big names. We've uh, we have talked to the develop like one of the developers from Max Games. I don't know if you've heard oh. of them. They develop mobile games. We have talked to um, them. Um, among others, and I think that it's pretty, it's pretty good to at least get that kind of thing out there, you know, get out there what we're trying to do, even if Evan Sky doesn't break it out into that market, we put the bug in someone's ear, and maybe other people will consider making games more accessible, and that can only be a benefit to us as audio gamers. Right. So yeah, we... there's 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 not not enough sort of to like it, it, more is always better i think like I, I don't see i've never seen a case where i've think, i've thought one game has suffered because another was there mm -hmm. it, 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 it's still small enough that, that we don't have that that that's uh tendency you don't have that to, cutthroat competition so to speak yeah there's no need for it there really isn't like it's <laughs> you know it, it, everyone pounces on pretty much every game that comes out so yeah the more the merrier so once you are ready to release Thaddeus, reach back out to me and we'll get you guys back on the show and help announce it. Sure. Thank you. Well, yeah. And on that note, too, um, why don't you tell people where people can find Evan Sky um, online if they're interested? Yeah. So uh, Facebook, Evan Sky Studios, it's the main place where we post our news. Um, audio games on that forum. Paul does a good job of keeping up the Sable thread on there. We've also got a Twitter at Evan Sky Studios and our website, which is still sort of in development, is EvanSkyStudios.com. Well, listen, best of luck with the project. Uh, I, I mean, I know I'm excited. I think everybody's excited um, about uh, that release date. That's will be done when it's done. I like I do like yeah. that. <laughs> Had to get the blood answer. Yeah, I like it. That's the way to that's the way to do it. To be honest, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so listen, yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be looking out for you, and yeah, feel free anytime you want to come on uh, to make any big announcement. The door's open. Yes, and thank you for your interest. I appreciate it, and all of us, all of the others do as well. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Thaddeus. Yeah, thank you. That is really cool. Those guys, um, they've got <laughs> they've got a lot of work ahead of them. Well, what I find really interesting is that, you know, this game engine that they've created is going to allow anybody without any programming skills yeah. to create games. 
this could be huge if if that all pans out like they hope that yeah this could be really really huge and let a lot of new ideas and and new blood into this space and that will be fascinating to yeah. to see trickle out and see how that happens and of course their first game very much looking forward to to really seeing what they end up doing as as that first this is us thing that is yeah. always fascinating yeah, you're right you know demos on youtube as well so i definitely recommend people check them out and just kind of get a glimpse into what they're working on yeah for sure and i mean you know it's it's actually really smart because community driven content is a great way to not only help build content um, using your engine and your tools, um, it, it really drives interest for the game and, and extends the life of that game. Because when you just develop a single-player game that's that's completely closed off, you know that experience. You know you're limited to whatever the five, six, ten hours of of playthrough, and then that's it. You're done. Um, but when you have community-driven content, you know you can expand that out and you know into hundreds and hundreds of hours. You're you'd be amazed at what um video game communities can come up with themselves oh yeah there have been games that have, that have kept popular for years and years because of that modding right. ability of, of adding in new content and uh, you still hear people playing them and see tweets about it and things all these years later yeah so i'm definitely going to keep an eye out on these guys ryan and, and for sure you know when they're closer to, to actually releasing we should definitely have them on again absolutely uh, and I think we'll create an AT banter game. <laughs> oh man, what would that look like? <laughs> yeah. You can go around and play like virtual bop it. You can bop Steve, Rob, Ryan. <laughs> Punch it, hit it. A seek and find game or something. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Where's Steve? <laughs> we play that all the time. <laughs> uh, hey, Ryan. Rob, uh, where can people find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. Uh, hey, they can also drop us an email if they so desire, and they may desire if they want to say suggest a topic for a future show, if they want to be a guest, if they know somebody that would make a good guest, if they want to talk, if they want to ask a question, pretty much anything. Because you know what, it really brightens Ryan's day when he gets email absolutely that isn't from it isn't spam <laughs> that's right you need a new pair of jockey briefs no i don't <laughs> i'm telling you man those google ads are scary yeah i i yeah i've literally like talked on the phone with somebody about like kitty litter or something and then boom next thing i know facebook or yeah. in my in my gmail sure yeah. enough kitty litter ads you betcha there's some real shady stuff going on, <laughs> but we digress. Um, uh, uh, email address. Did I not? Did I not do the email address? Uh, they can't. Yes, I did, didn't I? No, you just said. I don't think so. Some people, but <sighs> amateur. Tell you, uh, <laughs> they. So you can email us at cowbell at atbanter.com. They can also find us on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> they can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, pretty much wherever you find podcasts, we are there. Excellent. Uh, well, we have to give a big thank you to Mike 
for joining us today and helping us navigate this conversation because I feel like without you, we would have been a little bit lost in the woods. That's well, right. happy to help and uh, yeah, looking forward to all of this, this uh, output uh, from Evan Sky. That would be yeah, fascinating sure. to, to dip into. Well, so listen. Contact information people can reach you at, Mike? Yes, they can uh, reach me at michael.fair, that's F as in Frank, E-I-R, at gmail.com. That's probably the best way. I'm also on Twitter at mfair, and uh, those, those two are probably the best ways. You can also visit my blog at michael.fair at blogspot.ca. Awesome. All right. Well, that is going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in, and we will see everybody next week. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 778- 847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.